This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Charlotte is now in the main event at WrestleMania. The Revival win the tag team titles. Kofi Kingston is added to the Elimination Chamber. And yes, random heel and face turns abound in this week's main roster review on Shake Them Ropes. I'm Jeff Hawkins here with Chris Novembrino. Chris, Elimination Chamber or All-Star Game? Which are you watching Sunday? I'm actually doing Elimination Chamber. The All-Star Game doesn't have a lot of draw for me because there's no defense played and everyone wants to take the break right so none of these guys are playing super super hard it will be interesting to see you know these guys on the court together but they'll also put up 150 points on each side this year they might put up something like 170 points on each side okay guys i want you all to pause this episode as soon as i'm done talking i want you to go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes I want each of you to pay a dollar minimum, and I want you to first download and listen to Chris and I this weekend, this past weekend, recorded about two hours on Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler going through that entire angle, because I've done this show, I think, four or five years this month. I can't remember how many years it's been. It's some of the best audio I've done for Shake Them Ropes, and Chris really did yeoman's work doing audio drops to give people full context of Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler's angle, um, including the David Letterman show, uncensored um, promos really kind of spruce it up, tighten it up. It is a great piece of audio. It is well worth your time this weekend, this three day weekend. If you are traveling, perhaps put on a two hour podcast with Chris and I talking wrestling, you know that I am at my best when I am talking about, old wrestling that I enjoy or something that I can sink my teeth into that's non-WWE, uh, I, I, I'd really appreciate it if you went there and, and signed up. And I would just say that I, I think I am at my best as a podcaster when I have a text where I can weave stuff in. And a lot of times, because we do two episodes of Shake Them Ropes a week and we watch so much wrestling... A lot of time is going into the preparation for this show, so in post-production, it's just the conversation edited with the noise clipped out and just, you know, some basic smoothing of the conversation. This is a much more woven text. Uh, If you don't know anything about the Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler feud, this the goal with especially weaving in all of the clips was to make it so that you can go in knowing nothing and hopefully leave with a fuller picture uh, and get a sense of who Andy Kaufman was and why he was so good in Memphis wrestling. Uh, I was telling Jeff before we started the show that I've been podcasting for about 10 years we're coming up on and when I look back at all the stuff I've done because at this point it's uh, this is going to sound like I'm showboating and I'm not but it's like 
500 plus episodes of radio. There's not a lot of them that I remember from week to week. It, it, the thing that helps me remember anything is my show notes from stuff. I can like look at it and remember, oh yeah, I talked about that. But this is one that I know that I will vividly remember afterwards. And so, yeah, I, I go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Check it out. It's worth your time. I think you'll enjoy it a lot. Okay. Charlotte being inserted into the Ronda Rousey match for WrestleMania. I don't have a problem with it. We talked about it last week. We said it was a bad idea in terms of... and, and I made it, my piece not, that this is what they want to do. I did too. And the reason I, I have to make my piece because WWE... You can tell three-way stories. I just don't think WWE does it well. I think perhaps the only person who ever did it really well... Sergio Leone in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, where you had the you know a, a long time to build up the certain alliances and shifting alliances and then build to the big conclusion. I just don't think they do it that well. Now, we made our piece with this as the match, as a, a possible three-way. But to your point, what we're seeing here is them having trouble keeping the focus on everyone evenly. So what it seems like they're going to end up having to do is kind of do this week is going to be Becky's week. And then hopefully, hopefully next week is Rhonda's week. But then you have to also introduce Charlotte and how she interplays into everything. So that's going to be another piece of this. I, I, well, I, okay. I am going to say that my main problem with this, it isn't Charlotte in the main event. It's the fact that all the heat is on Vince McMahon who put her in there as opposed to the heat being on Charlotte for the angle because we went from triple H and, and Stephanie kind of being heels last week to being baby faces who just go, Oh no, we'll take that apology. And then Vince comes out and goes, Oh no, no, I'm the big baddie here. I'm going to, I'm going to add her in. Now I thought Charlotte did a great job on her promo tonight. But at the same time... The other thing that's missing is that what they're trying to do is the corporate champion angle. Yeah. And Charlotte is not a champion. And can't be a champion in this story because the whole point in launching it in the first place is it's centered around Ronda and beating Ronda to show that you're the best. So it wouldn't make any sense to give Charlotte a belt. Like, I, I, I wouldn't want them to have... Like Oscar get beaten and then Charlotte ends up with the belt, but that wouldn't help this story either. Well, corporate fealty is the is the big problem with this angle because you can build it and it looks like that's what they're going to do over the weeks. Is that Vince McMahon to save WrestleMania and because Becky's injury prone brought in Charlotte to to do to to fill in. But at the same time, you have Ronda Rousey here who is the special attraction. And she's coming off not great in terms of being a babyface because you can't because you have this big babyface in Ronda. But at the same time, Ronda's involvement here is that Charlotte got DQ'd for using a kendo stick on her. Becky got into this whole feud by jumping her from behind. She's actually the, the baby good guy face. here. Yes, yeah. right. And they've been kind of against Becky softly playing her off as a heel and now you introduce Charlotte and that sort of muddies the tone and I'm not sure how to feel about Ronda at this point. Exactly. And 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 look, Becky is the people's choice right now. You don't say. But I want you all well, but I want you all to put this in the back of your head. Remember when this whole thing was being built up originally? The plan for WrestleMania's main event was Charlotte versus Ronda. 
Becky is a is a fortuitous entrant here, but at the same time, plans are plans, and plans may change, but they usually don't from Vince's um, instincts. So the proper story here is probably Becky beats. Uh, you know, for me, I, and this is what I put. I said they should just run the Daniel Bryan story. They should have Becky beat Charlotte originally in in the first match of WrestleMania, and the winner of that match in story gets Beck gets uh, gets Ronda Rousey at the end. And I got decimated for this because, well, why are you copying this? And what you going to bring Batista back next? And all this. I'm like, look. As we all know, was, wrestling does not copy itself. It's not a thing you're allowed to do in wrestling. It's a and well if you do told that, story. Right. No, I, that's me being deeply sarcastic. <laughs> I know. I know. Actually, you know, real quickly to go back to the Patreon episode, one of the things I left on the floor from the Jim Cornette snippet was a thing where they actually took the whole Andy Kaufman introducing soap to the audience, and that is the inspiration for Sonny and Smoky Mountain Wrestling coming out huh. and doing her whole thing. Yeah, Jim Cornette goes into that as well. Look, it's a well-told story if you want to make Becky a star, that she beats Charlotte first and Ronda next on the same night. My problem here is it seems fairly obvious, and I'm not certain of this. Things can change. You know, I, I, I fully expect that there's also a chance that Charlotte may get another match against Asuka at, at WrestleMania. I think that's still a possibility. But if Charlotte is in this match just to say, you pinned Ronda, you didn't pin me, then what is the point of her being in this match in the first place, and why can't she wait? Why can't we build up this Ronda thing one-on-one? Because what's going to happen is Ronda's either... I, I think Ronda's leaving after Payback, Probably, so you'll probably get a one-on-one rematch there. But you're still going to move over to Charlotte later. So, I, I don't, you know, but, but part of me still, in my jaundiced thinking, thinks that Charlotte walks out of WrestleMania the champ. Yeah, it's what I'm leaning towards at this point. If indeed Ronda is leaving the company, and we have Vince now introducing this note into what we're doing, yeah, I think that the odds are increasingly likely that Charlotte ends up standing tall and we establish heel Charlotte at WrestleMania. Well, well, and also as the legendary figure, and then Becky can have a short title reign later. Yes. But the, but the thing is... Maybe build the SummerSlam feud. Yeah, for all the talk of the Daniel Bryan feud, and oh, that would be a copy of the Daniel Bryan feud, people forget they bailed on Daniel Bryan fairly quickly as champ. He didn't get the long run. They never moved away from Randy Orton and Hunter and Batista. They just kept on rerunning that until he eventually lost. And then his title, big title win at WrestleMania only mattered for the WrestleMania moment. It didn't matter. He, he well, then he exactly also had the injuries after WrestleMania, too. Yeah. But, like, you know, it wasn't necessarily inspiring a ton of confidence that he was having hardcore matches with Kane immediately after yeah. winning the title. It's Yeah, they did not... The plan was still, because you remember for that WrestleMania, the plan was Batista versus Randy Orton. Yes, yes. And so they basically just kept running with the plan and said, okay, we'll we'll, we'll mollify the crowd with, with their feel-good moment, but we're going to continue on as, as we always planned. So I, I just, that's my concern with the whole thing. But mostly my, my concern was 
Vince McMahon's entry into this. And I could I could see them doing like every single quote unquote moment from WWE history in this one triple threat match. Because the original triple threat from the women at that Mania in Dallas was was so overbooked with Ric Flair. Yeah, being there's going to be a lot of McMahon and Ric Flair in this angle, I can, and that's what I I'm can kind s- of already getting the wincy face towards. You know, a, a, a Montreal screw job type attempt, where they, which they also did with uh, in the Cena versus Punk feud. You remember when they came down to try and pull that off? I think there'll be some sort of allusion to the Montreal screw job in here. I, I just it's it's so corporate face of the company BS as opposed to a really nice feud between two strong characters and old school me has to live with it but at the same time I'm just like they just don't do triple threats well yeah you can still say we have to live with it and go this isn't adding to the feud if anything it's a lateral move or taking away and of course the big other big issue here is that Hunter and Stephanie are talking to Becky Lynch about this big fight with Ronda Rousey. What a time but, suck that all ended up being. And yeah, but we have a title match on Sunday that doesn't involve Becky Lynch. We have Ruby Riot here facing Ronda Rousey. Oh yeah, her. And they oh yeah, let's let's build up her as possibly winning Ron, winning at at the Elimination Chamber and possibly main eventing WrestleMania. What a feeble attempt of trying to make the Elimination Chamber, quote-unquote, the Riot Squad's night. Just no one believes that. No one believes that. I I will say that for the the Elimination Chamber women's tag team match, they did a decent job in these go-home promos. I like them a lot. But the angle or the little mini angle of the Riot Squad thinking, oh, the Elimination Chamber is going to be the night we all get the belts. No one believes that. No one believes that at all. No one believes that. Nobody believes Ruby Riot has a shot against Ronda Rousey, which is a shame because I think Ruby Riot is going to have a semi-decent match with Ronda Rousey. I, you know, oddly enough, the, my the first crowd's match, not going to bite on, which is the problem. No, they're not going to. And that's it. That's just it. The crowd won't bite. So the crowd's going to, you know, chant beach balls and they're going to heckle Rhonda about Becky. And it's it's going to be a disaster. And I don't know if, you know, Rhonda doesn't take criticism very well, as we've seen. So that that could be make for an interesting night in ring. Yeah, right. It, actually, it might get the crowd booing Ronda further, I, I, which might be better for the three-way feud with Becky going up against two heels, basically. But that's not the idea when you're pairing Ronda Rousey with Ruby Riot. You still want her to be face. Yeah, and and you also want Ruby to be a threat at least. Um, you know, give her some credibility going in. I I don't know. I I'm. As you know, I hate these matches where we're having an elimination chamber and everybody has to fight each other before the chamber. It's it's a ridiculous premise to me, but I did like the promos. I especially, oddly enough, I especially like the Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville one because Sonya put over, we've been in that cage. There's there's steel there. We You could end your career. We know how that feels. We know how it feels, and that's how we have an advantage over the other women here. I, I you know, I, I liked uh, you know, the Nia Jax Tamina one was a little rough. I thought Sasha and Bailey had a pretty good one. The tone was right on all of them. The tone was right on all the tone was straight as opposed to campy 
or we got or what even, we wanted out of the iconics too. They were pretty yeah, serious even, there, or even yeah, or even the heavy corporate speak within there. And I'll I'll tell you something else on the SmackDown one, the iconics were booked as intelligent heels, which I loved. I loved the fact that hey, a triple threat match in WWE canon, so to speak, is no DQ. We don't even have to get up on the ring apron if we don't want to. We don't have to tag in, and why would we want to? Because there's a chance if we lose, we're going to be the first ones in the Yeah, there's no reward for winning, and there's a penalty for losing, which is a problem with the match psychology with this structure, but just go with it. Yeah, it's it's an absolute problem when when you're trying to talk to these people. Why would you play it straight? Why wouldn't you try and find a way out of this somehow? I, I, I never understood that. But then again, I don't understand putting all these women in against each other when we're just going to watch them all against each other in less than a week. I, it's, it, I want to build up each team as a powerful force who can all individually possibly win. And like for the gauntlet match, I didn't mind it because it built the story of Kofi Kingston. I thought it did a pretty darn good job, especially with the clean pin over Daniel Bryan. Yeah, and Kofi wrestled his ass off. He was great. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I thought that it was good to reestablish Kofi and make him feel like a credible threat. Uh, Do you want to talk about that match right now? Should we get into it? Well, well, we don't. Well, yeah, we can. But but I was just going to say my preference would be you take all six of these guys, and if you want to do, I like the aspect of having, you know, the the person. You know, having stakes for who gets last, even though I think the champion should be the guy. If you're defending, if you're defending the title, the champion should get the uh, privilege of being the last pot open. But if you're going to do this, have all six guys have squash matches and do a beat the clock gimmick type of thing. Because that way, okay, they're all killers. They can all win, and they're all just trying to get their match done as quickly as possible to then be the last guy in, in the pot. Uh, this match, it was a. Uh, a bit of a time waster, I, I thought, in many ways, but it was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch, um, and it was to establish the story of Kofi Kingston replacing Mustafa, Mustafa Ali. Ali. No, I, yeah, but the Mustafa Ali promo was good. My problem was we just on Raw had WWE not clearing Becky Lynch medically, and at the same time, in on for real, they said that the company was not clearing Mustafa Ali to fight. So if I'm a guy who doesn't follow smart podcasts or read news sites, I'm thinking it's the corporation keeping Mustafa Ali out of the match. I, I thought I think that's a that's a danger when you get into these. You know, the company is the person who clears you to to wrestle type of stuff. So getting into this match, I, I liked the match, and I thought on fundamentals it was good. However, you saw some problems with it connecting with the audience because I, I think that the standard WWE audience is not really conditioned for an hour-long match. Uh, no, they're it, not. It was they're too con- much wrestling for them, which is weird because normally the criticism of a lot of WWE products is it's too little wrestling, and I don't want to sound like Goldilocks and nothing's quite right, but like you have to know what the right ratio is for your audience, and you also have to condition your audience to have certain expectations, and the audience kind of broadly is not well conditioned for processing the ins and outs, ups and downs, ebbs and flows of an hour-long match. So Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston were out there having a very, very good match, and the audience wasn't even sure 
what the story was that they were getting told right there. Um, and, and, like, it's a little weird to see the champion wrestling right before he's going to be on the pay-per-view, but maybe that's just old-school me. Um, and, and I actually thought that Daniel Bryan was going to beat Kofi, but I liked when Kofi beat him. Um, so I thought that Joe should have beat him, and I thought that Joe should be in the last pod. I think that that's the money, and Joe should have went through the rest of everyone in that match as just a killer. That way we have the entire Elimination Chamber match, this anticipation for what Joe's going to do when he comes out of the pod. He feels like the pod that people are going to be most excited to see open, so why not have him be last? Uh, I liked the idea of having Kofi go all the way, too, eventually. Um, There's another out that I would have liked where the real AJ Styles comes out, gets Samoa Joe off of Kofi Kingston, and rolls Kofi Kingston into the ring immediately and gets the pin because he's the real AJ Styles and he's supposed to be, like, you know, more intense or whatever it is the real AJ Styles is. And, you know, the slapsticky finish of Randy Orton hitting the RKO, it's a fun way to go home, but it was predictable enough that I was actually able to count it down. No, I think it's fairly obvious that uh, that it had he stayed in the match that Mustafa Ali was going to be the one to eliminate Joe. And I think they're also going to set up now for Kofi to eliminate Joe. But if it were me in terms of, uh, in terms of this, this match, I thought Kofi should get all the way up until the point where I, I think he should have beat AJ and then Orton comes in, gets the, the cheap RKO. And then the story is Kofi's way too tired to come. Kofi's way too beat up to compete in the elimination chamber for any amount of time and gets kind of eliminated fairly easily. Yeah. Or he has a nagging injury, like yeah. maybe have AJ get the calf crusher on him enough that Kofi gets the win, but he's like limping and favoring his knee. Like at the end of the match, he's almost comedically injured, and then Randy Orton comes in with the RKO. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I do like the joke, so and I appreciate him because of the rumors of uh, AEW possibly courting Randy Orton. That uh, oh, Randy's gonna get as easy a uh, a night every night as possible just to keep him around so all he has to do is one rko here he's last in the elimination chamber he's he's gonna get the uh he's gonna get the easy way out i mean that, that's a little too smarky for me but uh I, I appreciate the humor in it no he's definitely becoming a bit of a randy orton cover band though it's like the canyon cutter it, it the, like we just have that out of nowhere <laughs> spot yeah I, I i guess so um Let's cover some of the smaller stories on uh, on both shows before we get into the preview. Uh, and oh, and the big one: the revival are your new Raw Tag Team Champions. Yes, I loved the match. Yes, I love that they got a clean win. Yes, I love that they won because they were just a good, solid team that took advantage of a situation rather than cheating. I absolutely I love the heartbreak match. from Rude and Gable after the match. Mm-hmm. They were legitimately crushed that they wrestled their asses off and they came up short. Now give me three or four more teams built like this and let's have a division. That's all I want. I, I, I don't have... I don't have faith. I, I still think the revival eventually end up dropping it to Hawkins and Ryder, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually probably where we're going. Um, although the the interesting thing, well, no, because the 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 win has to be big for them. So 
Yeah, I, I think Hawkins and Ryder eventually winning the tag titles, possibly even at WrestleMania, might be in the future here. But I will enjoy it for what it is. I, I appreciated also the post-game celebration by the Revival. They seem I genuinely I like that promo enthused. a lot. Yeah. That, that struck a nice tone between satisfied in a justifiable way, but still kind of prickish. Just yeah. a little bit, though. Not not too much. Just the right spice. They they can't be that baby face, oh, this is my childhood dream type thing because they have to have enough confidence they in themselves. they love tag team wrestling yes. and they love the belts and respect the belts enough that winning them means something to them. Yes. And that's a good way to start rebuilding. I, 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 I'm hoping... I'd like to be optimistic that this is the start of a new kind of uh, approach to tag team wrestling, but... Uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see. I, we'll see. I, I need more. I need more evidence. I, I we'll we'll see what happens. Now the yang to that yin is uh, is we had a unscheduled babyface turn by Dean Ambrose, a heel turn by EC3, a weird promo that uh, apparently, according to Dave Meltzer over at the Wrestling Observer, was supposed to go a little bit more into the history of the Shield, but uh, Dean just decided to go with uh, Slay the Beast and EC3 is now a 50-50 guy who, <laughs> he's a geek. Is EC3 officially a heel at this point? No, but they babied Dean to the point where he was a heel in this match. Yes, no, I agree with that. Um, And then EC3's reaction was flustered, and I'm assuming that the next engagement that they have will be where EC3 officially goes heel. Uh, and we also had like the weird flip of Nikki Cross, who I guess is just going to be whatever we need her to be on any given week. Yeah, they did this with uh, Alicia Fox for a while. They've done this with Dana Brooke for the last year or so. It's not how I'd use Nikki Cross, but uh, it's not up to me. So, I mean, I like that they built up Ruby Riot in a, at least a uh, respectable manner, but wouldn't have been for a championship match. But they gave her a win. I think it was her first win on TV in like six months. Which wow. is interesting to me. Um, not six months. That might be a little bit long. That might have been like two or three. In a no, actual... but the Riot Squad are like they are the loser job squad. Yeah. They're, well, they're the uh, they're the mid level people. They're the people that are tough enough, and they get enough wins where you kind of respect them, but at the same time, you know that they're not. I don't know. Get... Ronda demolished them pretty quickly last week. Well, yeah, but it's Ronda. Right, I know, but like, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is it's like anytime they get built up, I feel like they get reduced down to rubble pretty quickly right after. Yeah, pretty much. They're, they're not going to be top-tier act, let's put it that way. No, no. Which is why no one bites on the idea that it's going to be the Riot Squad's night here on Sunday. Uh, I am purposely skipping the six-man tag on Raw because I do not care about any of that. Uh, but I did find the Kevin Owens promo interesting. Um, yeah, okay, so here's what I think's happening. I think we're going to get Kevin Owens coming back as a babyface. I, I think he's showing a little bit of ass and showing you know vulnerability to show some likability. I'm concerned about it, though, because it feels like Kevin Owens' every man. It feels like Vince looks at him and goes, okay, uh, you're going to be my Dusty Rhodes in a way. But that's what fight Owens' fight as a babyface is. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, Fight Owen's fight as a baby face is a call for the everyman to, like, muster that strength, that love of their son. Uh, like, that inner fight. And, like, you don't have the body in. Like, the, the, yes, the, the promos is a baby face. There's going to probably be a lot of body shaming going on with, with Kevin Owens and that sort of thing. But, like, it's going to be about him being a good dad and being a good guy and a good friend to Sammy. And, like, that's what babyface Kevin Owens is going to be about. I, I don't... And maybe that's what it should be about, unless you've got like a better theory of what Fight Owens' fight kind of translates out to as babyface. Oh no, I I think you're right. I just don't know if they're going to do a good job with it. That that's all. Yeah, that, no, no, I I agree with that. But but you know, if they book him the right way, if you put him in a 45 minute match and let him you know have that furious babyface fire comeback, and Owens can do it in the ring, I think he can make that connect if they just write him the right way. I yeah the big if um I I, I am gonna go over one thing in the six man I I lied I'm gonna circle back what would you say if I told you I thought the entire point of that match was to, to was as a uh, commentary on the on the AAF the American Football League with the referees being able to discuss things on air I would say that that doesn't sound crazy to me because all of these weird refereeing angles seem to be some sort of commentary about officiating like in the NFL or in football or somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I that was my first thought when I Something's watched that. Something's motivating these. Like, like this, is, this is a very weird plot note for them to be doing right now and they've been going to it a lot recently because they did it on SmackDown too. Yeah, it's not just that. It's they mic'd the refs so I could hear their entire conversation as opposed to seeing gesticulating and, and things of that nature. And they actually had a mic'd when uh, they talked to Mike Rome to restart the match. And I was just like, this feels like a commentary on the AAF. That That's what it felt like to me. What happened in the AAF for those of us who don't watch uh, the more obscure football brands? Okay, what what it was is is they had um, their their quote unquote big innovation is you could hear the referees talking through their thought process when a penalty was called when they instituted replay, um, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, and, and to the point where even they had they had a uh, female official in the replay booth for one play who was dead certain on a call and then changed her mind after watching the video a couple more times. So it was just one of those things where I'm just like, this does not bode well for officiating in any sport anywhere. When, when you're hearing, well, she got it right and then she changed her mind. It's just like, uh, I, 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 it just felt like to me. Being able to hear the the referees talk to each other and have a conversation, I thought it was I thought it was referenced by the AAF. That's all. That was just my thinking. Interesting, interesting. And the only other thing, really, on either show to kind of bring up, although, well, oh God, I do this a lot. Uh, well, you had the uh, the Seth Rollins promo. promo. What did you think of that? Um, it was okay. Seth as a babyface kind of leaves me lukewarm. Um, and then. Paul Heyman coming out, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not super hot on this angle. The sell my soul to the devil thing, I think people are going to read too much into it. I I just thought it was just try to, try to make him more badass, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, And then the uh, Miz and Shane McMahon and the Usos. You know what? I really liked this promo. So on the Patreon, which I'll plug one more time, we talk about Andy Kaufman and his ability to sort of modulate his character depending on where he was. And I like how the Usos and the Miz 
have modulated their characters for the purposes of this feud, but are staying true to the character. So the Miz is still like an egomaniac and still kind of willing to cheat, but this in this case, when he cheats, it's kind of cute, like when he's whispering to Shane the answers or whatever. And the Usos are being effectively heels, but they're just a more intense, ramped-up version of themselves and coming at the Miz. And, and I actually, I enjoyed this. I thought this was a lot of fun. I liked it. I, I thought the Usos probably should have been a little bit more restrained because they've been there so many times. They almost seemed rattled by Miz and Shane in some ways, you know, taking it physical as opposed to having kind of that cool, cocky, hey, We've been a tag team. And, and the thing that I think would have really brought it home for me was if you're doing a tag team quiz, ask them what their tag team finisher is rather than, you know, are we good friends and do we know each other's favorite food and things like that. You know, if you really want to undermine their credibility as a tag team, undermine it for real and say, look, you guys don't even have a tag finisher. I think the mistake here was going to the super kick. I get what they were trying to do. They wanted to make sure that the Usos come off as heels, except that the Usos are such a popular act that what you heard right after they hit the super kick was a bunch of cheering. So I would have had them chicken shit out of that scenario. Oh, I don't give them anything to latch on to. I don't even want them chicken shitting, to be be honest. What I wanted was... I, I, they started with it, and I thought it, there was a lot of material to mine there. Was the Usos being offended by the Miz and Shane McMahon calling themselves the best tag team in the world when they're not really that much of a tag team? I, I think that was the, the direction to go. Well, I'm talking about the, the last note, okay. like how that scene ends. Yeah. Like, you don't end it on the super kick. If anything, the Usos need to be beating a retreat here. They need to come off as not the people you, you feel immediate respect for. Okay. No, I, I, I could get that. I'm, I'm, I thought it was a little too... I think this was a week two type of angle versus just go home. Because they really right. didn't have any build in it. That that was my major issue with it. Strike first was a mistake because you saw all the cheering. Yeah, pretty much. So we're go, going to go into this Elimination Chamber card, pick some winners. <laughs> it's an interesting seven-card field, and, and it's odd because I was expecting Rey Mysterio versus Andrade to be on this card. I'm hoping they're not getting the pre-show treatment. They're getting the pre-show treatment. They're getting the pre-show treatment, I know. But uh, we'll start with a uh, match I think I've seen 800 times, but uh, it's on here. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin in a singles match. Uh, I'll go first. Anything other than Braun Strowman not killing the guy will surprise me. Yeah, I'm thinking Braun just goes over this pretty quickly. The only thing that maybe could happen is that Corbin wins to set up some sort of longer feud thing, but like in a banana peely way, I think it's Braun Strowman. Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush take on Finn Balor in a handicap match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Before they made this a handicap match, I thought Lashley would retain. Now, I think Finn Balor is going to find a way to win this. Uh, yeah, I have my, uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. And then Leo Rush becomes the scapegoat. Maybe Lashley lays him out. Maybe. To get him out of the story. Because I think, I, oddly enough, I think 
I think there's signs that they might think that Leo Rush is overshadowing Bobby Lashley a bit. Well, I think that's pretty clear, but that's because Lashley's just not that good of a promo in this character. Yeah. We might be reading too much into it, though. Maybe. May, yeah, they they might not be ending that pairing just yet. But, uh, yeah, once they made this a handicap match, it, certainly they, they've cooled out on Lashley as the Intercontinental Champion, I think. Ronda Rousey taking on Ruby Riot for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. I think this match is going to go on way too lo- much longer than it should. Um, I would have Ronda beat her in like 10 seconds. Yeah, I'd have her beat her really quickly because the thing is that the crowd could turn against this match pretty exactly. hard. And the longer it's out there, the more likely that is to happen. You want to avoid the Becky chance? Have her just have an awesome win and just have everybody go, oh. I like mean, Ronda, what you need to do is have Ronda spill Ruby outside of the ring and just start tossing around outside of the ring. Like, this needs to get really savage and ugly. And then have Ruby fire back just a little bit for a moment, and then Ronda kills her. Buddy Murphy defends his Cruiserweight Championship against Akira Tozawa. How do you see it? I think Buddy Murphy retains again. I don't think it's time to take the belt off of Buddy Murphy. I, I don't think that we have built... Akira Tozawa's redemption story enough to justify strapping him at this point. The still the most interesting contender here is Cedric Alexander, so I don't think they built Akira Tozawa here. I think there is a slight chance that we get a Brian Kendrick heel turn again that nobody will care about. Um, Hopefully people will care about this match. I hope so, too. Oh, fingers crossed. I love these guys. I feel so bad that Buddy Murphy doesn't get more love. Daniel Bryan defends his title against AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, and Kofi Kingston in the Elimination Chamber for the WWE Championship. I'll defer to you. And the new Daniel Bryan retains. Daniel Bryan retains with the help of both Eric Rowan and the returning Luke Harper. That is my prediction. Oh, I like that, Luke Harper. He finally becomes one of the Wyatts after all. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, I just, you know, it's oh, obvious. Oh, it'd be great. They could move into the cabin. Daniel Bryan could like <laughs> the cabin because it's eco-friendly. I, I just see, I, I can see both guys going in there, beating up certain of the opponents. You know Eric Rohn's eventually ending up in this cage otherwise, but you can also have the second guy and then Especially just Especially with the foreshadowing here this week uh, in the SmackDown gauntlet match. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, Eric Rohn won't be able to get into the cage on Sunday. Yeah, he will. Yeah, the question is whether or not he goes through the door underneath the ring. I think he goes through the door. Um, the Miz and Shane McMahon defend the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the Usos. I think that the Miz and Shane McMahon retain over the Usos and earn the Usos' respect. I think that the purpose of this match is to legitimize the Miz and Shane as a real credible team. I think that's a good idea. But I will hold out a 15% chance that Miz and Shane McMahon lose and one of them turns on the other to set up a singles match at WrestleMania. Okay, okay. I think the plan is Miz and Shane McMahon in a singles match at WrestleMania. I just do. No, I, I, I get that. My contrarian argument to that, obviously they have to have a plan for Shane. The plan might be to protect Shane a little bit and not have him take so many bumps and have to get so thrashed up at WrestleMania, and a tag match is a good way to protect him. Yeah, I, I think it also depends on the order of, of this show because 
I think if that were to happen, I think The Miz and Shane would have to be on fairly early. Also, for what Shane McMahon likes to do in the ring, a tag team's super conducive. He's a spot yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, being in a tag team makes all the sense in the world for him. And for the historic first WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, a non-tag team match, because <laughs> there will be no tagging, Nia Jackson Tamina versus the Riot Squad of Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville versus the Iconics of Billy Kay and Peyton Royce versus the Boston Hug Connection of Bailey and Sasha versus, oh, what is the name of this team? Uh, Fabulous Glow, Naomi and Carmella. Who do you like? I think that this match has the potential to be a real train wreck inside the ring with too many bodies, and it will be hard to um, pay attention to action. I I worry a lot about the step-by-step mechanics of this. I think at the end of the match, the Iconics will be holding on to the belts. I think I'm less worried about the mechanics of this match because Bailey and Sasha are going to be in it for the long haul, having to start. Um, and I think Mandy and Sonya are good enough where it will start hot. I think the story will continue to be Sasha's lingering ish injury. And I think I just... I do not have faith that they're going to put the belts on Bailey and Sasha here. I think that the story is... WWE f- does not like doing Babyface's first champion a whole lot. They don't like giving the audience what they want. Right. <laughs> Until it's a big moment and then they ruin the moment. So I think the story here is Sasha's injuries hurt them. There's some tension and dissension... But they eventually come together to beat the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions at Mania, who will be Nia Jax and Tamina. Interesting. Okay, okay. I could see I like Nia the idea Tamina. of Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, but it's not as compelling a story at WrestleMania to have them defending the titles against Bailey and Sasha as it is Bailey and Sasha overcoming the two giants in Nia Jax and Tamina. And that's a very easy match to book out when you have to write it. You know what I mean? It's just the the big guys club the little guys, isolate one of the little guys, pummel them, and then eventually there's the hot tag and the baby faces overcome the odds. Me personally, I think Bailey and Sasha deserve the first run with the titles, but... I, I, I think the Iconics would be a lot of fun trolling Bailey and Sasha how they're the better friends. I think they'd be great. I think, let me put it this way, I think that Iconics post-Rumble promo is one of the best promos that is, that is going to be done this year in WWE. Because Billy Kay, especially in that thing, broke Peyton twice. She broke Kathy Kelly. I think them being goofy, yet also just best friends, I think they're fantastic. I love the Iconics. I'm fully on board. But I know how... This company thinks they like the menace of Nia and Tamina. They still have a lot of value in Nia Jax as a commodity, I think. And those two have last names that matter in this company. Yeah, or they have relatives that matter in this company. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think Nia and Tamina are, are your first... I mean, look, we, we thought it was going to be a historic moment when the women's Money in the Bank came out. And uh, James... Uh, Oh, God, what's his James last name? James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth ends up helping Carmella win. So so we know what we want to see, and we want it to be a straight historic moment, 
but at the same time, you oh, know. you know what we can do? Maybe we can rerun this whole match a month later and edit out the finish to get it to what we want it to be, just like they did with that. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to get the wacky moment for video highlights. You know, we'll put it after Mae Young gives birth to a hand. Um, but uh, I, I think I think someone may get hurt by trying to do too much. That's my big fear, and I don't want to see that live. Um, I'm looking at Sarah Logan as a possible candidate for that. Uh, because uh, she I is a workhorse. Nia and Tamina m- might have a potential of getting injured too. You take a bad bump, that, that or live, yeah, live, or live's live. a good candidate yeah. there. But uh, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm hopefully optimistic about this match. I, I like all the women involved. I, I don't know. I like watching Tamina on interviews. I don't know why. I she just looks like she has the best. I don't give a f face every time you see her, and it's great. I, I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, I, and I think Bailey and Sasha are really going to shine in this match, but I, I think Nia and Tamina win. Again, go to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Pay the buck a month. Just listen to the show. Tell me you don't enjoy it. I'll give you the buck back. I will. Not too many of you, but you know the first five. If you don't like it, I'll I'll give you the money back. What are you doing? Why are you Why are you undermining us like this, Hawkins? I won't. Okay, you're killing you're killing please, me. Please, I, I'm please dying. Clip that. Hold on, I'm dying. Three, you, you have to go to the Patreon now because I'm dying from Hawkins undermining me. No, three, two, one. Go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com/shakethemropes. Pay the buck. Listen to us do two hours of great, great old school Memphis wrestling. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You'll never know how many times we had to take for that ad for the Patreon. Uh, you probably will because I'll leave it in. And you can find no. me. Yeah, yes. No, I'm going to do it. Of course. I'm evil. So, Don't Worry.TV is my one podcast. Go and subscribe to it on iTunes and Stitcher. The other podcast is the All in the Family podcast. You can subscribe to that on iTunes and Stitcher as well. Do it, do it. And go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes and listen to this. And I want you now to enjoy the national anthem as sung by Tony Clifton. Forever the Revival. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and the bright stars Oh, the past.